Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 397 with Mikhail Vega, who is an amazing person. I am so glad I met him. I met him uh, uh, through uh, our mutual friend, uh, Darren Ross, and he is just uh, an absolutely incredible person. The first moment I talked to him at, the, at uh, Darren's party, I was like, I got to have him on this podcast. He's just so incredible. This is a very inspirational podcast and a very emotional podcast. I'm just giving people fair warning because it gets very emotional. Kristen, what did you think of it? Yeah, well, this was... Yeah, like you said, it's crazy. I'm not going to really spoil anything, but just to give you a little background on him, he kind of knew he did want to act at a young age, but before he did that, he served uh, 22 years as a SEAL um, and yep. uh, EOD, which is an Explosive Ordnance Disposal Specialist, so very intense career that, and then he did his first movie, Transformers, uh, Dark of the Moon in 2011, and then that's how his career took off from there. Um, but yeah, like you said, like he's such a kind, smart and hardworking person. Um, and you guys kind of go into other things of like the video game stuff that he's doing right now. And his yep. very, he loves the storytelling of that. Um, and then you also discuss vital R warriors, which is, um, a nonprofit and he founded, um, I think it was in 2012. And this, his goal was just to work, um, and restore military and civilian veterans to their, as he says, inherent state of health and vitality, um, by providing access kind of to a unique fusion of mental and physical physical disciplines all without medicine. So um, it's very interesting and really cool. Yeah, he's he's like I said, he's a fascinating person. He did, you know, did start off as, a, as an extra and and then sort of grew, grew as an actor from there and is now directing, as you said, and he's been doing some uh, some great directing for video games and doing cinematic uh, stuff as well. And uh, and it's just really interesting career he's had. Like Kristen said, won't spoil it too much. There's a lot going on here. There's definitely some CG going on as well as other things, but a, a lot of a lot of to talk about his his history in the military and how that influenced everything he's doing, which mm -hmm. is really kind of fascinating. Uh, so thank you so much for Mikhail for being on. It was incredible. Uh, okay, we got a couple of announcements. We got to get these out there uh, first. Uh, you can find all these out at chaos.com. But V-Ray Six uh, is out for uh, Max and Maya and SketchUp and Rhino and Cinema 4D. I don't know how many more are left, but <laughs> they are going to be coming as they go. But uh, lots of great features in uh, V-Ray 6. Uh, so go check it out again at chaos.com. Uh, you've got a, several events happening. Kristen, what's going on? Yeah, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. We have two happening on October 19th. One is going to be an in-person event, which is called Chaos Day in Paris, and they are meeting at Cyclone. It will be in the evening from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then same day, October 19th, it will be an online show, which is a Chaos Campus live show. This will be episode eight. And then October 24th, we do have a free webinar for V-Ray 6 for SketchUp. And then on the 26th, another webinar for V-Ray 6 for Cinema 4D. And then on October 4th, First, another free web webinar for V-Ray 6 31st, for Maya. 31st. 31st. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, on yeah, Halloween. Yeah. I should have. Yeah. yeah duh. It is on Halloween. <laughs> so if you want to have your Halloween free webinar with V-Ray 6 for, for Rhino, check it out. Again, all of these can be found at chaos.com slash events. So be, for, be sure to check that out and sign up for those needs. Now, if people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? 
You can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. Uh, and if you guys have any ideas of podcasts or questions about this one or have any suggestions, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy. And you should watch this one too, because it's really quite great to have Mikhail on, on video. So go to our YouTube, check it out. But check out Mikhail Vega, episode number 397. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're going to fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Mikhail, thank you so much for, for, for being on. I'm very excited about this. Uh, we met at, uh, at Darren's uh, birthday party, and the minute I started talking with you, I was just enamored by your energy and uh, the, the stuff that you do and talking about directing and everything. But I know, I know, based on some things I looked up, you've got an extremely powerful and interesting past that has led you into some incredible things. I'd love to get our audience to know a little bit about you and about you know, all the things that you've done in your, in your life that has sort of led to, to, to do the, where you are now. So where did this all start? Where did your passion for acting and do that start? And what happened after that? You know, it's interesting. Um, first off, thanks for having me. And yeah. any, any opportunity I get to speak about this is, is really a blessing because that's kind of the, you know, trying to elicit this type of awakening in other people has kind of become my life purpose. You know, I'm kind of like the walking, the walking how to, you know, and, um, you know, how to come from, uh, really dark places and, and turn that darkness into, uh, a power that we can use to use our creative talents to serve others. Right. And yeah. so my, um, my whole endeavor, uh, started when I was, very young. I was in Ohio. I was, I was born in Akron, Ohio. And, and I, um, in a farm town called Bath. And so, mm -hmm. so, um, there was something about, there was something about film and television that had always called to me. And I'm sure you hear this from everybody all the time. They get into this industry. I mean, it's pretty concentrated, uh, those types of those types of childhood experiences, I'd imagine, you know, but, uh, for me, it was this inherent knowing that, um, that I wanted to be an actor and, and I knew that at a very young age. And so, um, that's what I pursued. And I begged my grandmother, I was like, please, please like send me to acting school. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know I'm supposed to do this. And you know how kids are and, and how fleeting things can be. And, mm -hmm. um, so she took it with a grain of salt until I was, I was really persistent. I always like, I, I was always like, film me doing this, film me doing this, film me doing this. And, and it wasn't like we could whip out a cell phone and do that. Right. So, mm -hmm. so what she did is she took me to a garage sale and she bought me a super eight, um, no instruction manual, no nothing, you know, just, just, 
a, a kid that um, had a modicum of intelligence on how to splice film together. And, and uh, so I started making like, these little like home movies that, that really had no, um, really had no like cohesiveness or anything to it, you know, is nothing structured, but just when I saw that stuff come to life that I successfully put something together and, and that, that, um, that film sparked to life. It was like, there was something magical about it to me. And I was so fascinated by it. And, and that kind of was the groundwork for, um, for everything that happened after that, you know, uh, you know, I got into like playing Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid too. And, and I really love fantasy and, and I just make up these stories and, and, you know, everybody really seemed to like the stories I was making up, you know, as we were playing and, and, you know, and then when I got into, you know, junior high and, um, and well, at the end of elementary, el the end of elementary school, I started getting into singing and then uh, through junior high and high school, I performed. You know, I, I started, um, I, I was a glee club kid. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I did. And then, you know, and between being in Ohio and Virginia Beach, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't many options to, to, to kind of, there was no culture there. There was no culture of, of you know, film and television uh, where I was growing up. You know, so it was either New York or Los Angeles, right? So, mm -hmm. and no means to kind of tap into any of that. So when I graduated, when I was 17, I joined the military. It was a military town, you know, so Norfolk, mm -hmm. Virginia uh, was a military town. So I'd, I'd, I'd go to school in Virginia and then I'd spend my summers back in Ohio with my grandmother. And... And so that was kind of the, the routine growing up. And so I joined the military when I was 17 and I, you know, got into bomb squad, uh, explosive orange disposal, did that for nine years. And, you know, I kind of wanted something more, you know, I, I felt like I was still not, there was still something else out there that I was supposed to be doing. And so I went into the SEAL teams when I was, when I was uh, 28. Uh, I went to BUDS training. Uh, so about nine years into my military service. And, and, um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I um, stayed there, spent the rest of my 22 years in the military in the SEAL teams. Wow. And I did a couple of tours to Iraq and, you know, there was, and then at the, and, concentrating on on war for so long and i've said this in other podcasts and it's it's really you know the the challenge these days is, is trying to keep it fresh you know for people that that have heard this before but it, the story is the story you know you can watch reruns of the predator all you want right you know but it is kind of not going to change but um never seems to lose its luster for me <laughs> but yeah. um but it was, I had an event, you know, it, it was, it was this really awakening event in, in combat where I, and this is a, this is a prevalent situation that we have, uh, in the world today, 
in the veterans community, right? And mm -hmm. uh, real quick, this thing's still giving me some sound. All right, great. That's better. Um, so I, I, when I was in Iraq, um, you know, whatever pretenses and all these types of things that you hear about why we went into Iraq and why we went, you know, at the end of the day, it's incumbent upon the individual that raises his hand and goes, I want to go do that, their reasoning for doing that. And for me, when I went into EOD, I wanted to be God's shield. You know, I prayed, you know, I prayed that God would make me his shield and, and protect innocence from these weapons of war that didn't go off properly. These innocents that, you know, these children that, you know, walk across minefields from, you know, Vietnam or, you know, whatever it was, right? Which was great to a point until, you know, the reality of that particular job hits and you're not really doing that so much as, you know, you're being the janitor for the Navy, <laughs> you know? So... Uh, not everything, and I don't mean any disrespect to any EOD guys out there. That was just, you know, kind of, you know, doing range clearances after everybody else had fun all day. You know, you go oh, out yeah. there and you clean everything up, you know. So um was kind of the experience of it until I started doing, you know, augmentation with, you know, the SEAL teams. And that's where I started to learn, like, wait a minute, that's really what I want to be doing. And so then I my prayer shifted. I, now I want to be you know, God's sword, <laughs> you know, so I got the shield part. Now, now I want to be the sword or the spear, whatever you want to use. And, and so I went and did that. And I had an event that happened in Iraq that kind of defined me. And I think a lot of warriors have that. And, and the event, what the event was for me was, regardless of all pretenses of why we went into Iraq and what and wasn't found or what, what, what and wasn't, you know, articulated that was found, you know, and, and for me, it was, we went into, uh, an area where the, you know, there was a terrorist that was chopping people's heads off and setting them on the neighbor's porches. And we went in and, um, Remove that, let's just say. Mm -hmm. And when you do something like that, when you engage in uh, a direct action mission where, where you go in and you remove a cancer that's terrorizing these innocent people, it doesn't matter, you know, the reason why you're there, that, that you're told why you're there, or that the American people are told why they're there. At that point, it doesn't matter. You know you're doing something that's right. You know you have you have uh, a, a purpose of being there, and it's a purpose that you know kind of transcends you know the the human experience and goes into a more for me uh, a more spiritual one. And a lot of that was hindsight as well, you know these realizations. So, um, what had happened was um, there's a woman that came out, and she she was. She was in tears and she was directly affected by this thing. And obviously, and she, she was trying to give me anything she could. She was shaking and she was like, she was in tears trying to just like give me anything she could to reciprocate. 
And we kind of locked, like our eyes locked. Mine was coming from a place of, and I could feel the energy like coming through me. I mean, think about it. You know, we just, you know, did a direct, direct action mission. And this is one of the people's lives that you've impacted forever. You know, you've, you've reestablished the hope that, um, that they wouldn't have, that, that they can go on and, and perhaps do so, have a life, you know, and, and that reciprocation of when you're locked in this type of thing with another human that, you know, you're sharing a life and death, death experience, right? You're, it's a shared experience. And then you, you, it becomes multiplicative when you're the one that exacted the, 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 the violence, you know, so the necessary, the necessary violence, mm-hmm. you know, and so multiply that by multiple episodes, right? Like, like to, that became foundational for me of like, and, and it became, it became the foundation for me that, that, you know, violence in this manner is absolutely necessary. And I've been chosen to exact that violence to protect and to defend and to, you know, eradicate, you know, these types of, um, these types of evil, you know, there, there's absolutely evil and it needs to be, it needs to be removed. So, and I was chosen to do that. That's the way I saw it. And, um, that's the way I experience it. And that's the way I see it. You know, so as far as for me, the big problem wasn't anything that I did in combat. The big problem was when I was removed from that sense of purpose. Yeah, you get that and you realize that you were, you were engineered by a divine force to go protect innocence and defend life. Um, that's, that's, I mean, where do you go from there? You know, it kind of, you know, it, 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 it really, you know, when, once that was over for me, um, that's where I started having a lot of problems in combat. You know, I was very peaceful. Like I, I slept great. I had no issues. You know, I felt everything just felt right with the world. You know, this person's, this person's the bad guy. Prove it. All right. Here's the proof. Okay. That look, I buy that. Let's go get this person, you know, Mm -hmm. and let's stop them from being bad, you know? And sometimes that meant, you know, just bringing them back to, to get, you know, kind of bigger fish. And then sometimes it meant something more than that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I was good with all of that, you know, uh, it was when, when I came back that like everything really started to fall apart for me and, you know, I couldn't sleep and, you know, all these types of things and creativity, there was no creativity. You know, there was, I mean, you're, you're, I'm, I'm swimming in the world of destruction, the cultivation of destruction. Uh, but inherently I knew when I came back that I needed to get back to creativity. I knew that I could feel that it was a systemic, I could feel it in my heart. And that I needed to do that, but the capacity to do so and, and just kept being stymied by, you know, circumstance, you know, I tried to build an art studio that I was going to get deeper into my art because I draw on everything as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they flooded my house out for 10 hours and I had to live in a hotel for, you know, it was like, you know, that, and then I had to take emergency custody of my son and, you know, all of these things came, uh, within two weeks of me returning from my second tour, mm. uh, to Iraq. And so, so this isn't a woe is me story. This is a, this is a, a process story. And this is a, um, this is an attempt to show people that, that at the end of the day, those events were absolutely critical for me to be where I'm at today. Um, and had I not had them, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. If I was, I, I may still be, you know, on a battlefield somewhere, who knows, you know, mm. um, so, or not, how about that yeah. or not? So, um, so, you know, you keep moving forward and, you know, I, I, you know, the, I've talked about this a lot, you know, I had, uh, an IED go off on my vehicle and I sustained some injuries from that, that I had to have neurosurgery for in 2009, you know, on, I was on 13 different medications at, at one period of time. And so, so I was, I was having a, a very challenging, uh, period in my life. Um, I had taken emergency custody of my child because his mother had abused him. And, um, and, uh, so we had to take emergency custody of them. They were going to put them in a home if I deployed again. So I had to step out of the SEAL team, the active SEAL teams and move to the West coast where, um, where, you know, I kind of focused on family and, you know, trying to, trying to get myself right again, because I, I was having a hard time and, um, combat related stress is what they call it. And, you know, uh, right. mild traumatic brain injury, blast exposure, all this type of repetitive blast exposure. Explosives were my, were my specialty in the military. And so I am, um, I kind of, um, uh, had a lot of blast exposure, which, you know, they've, they've found out that causes, you know, a lot of issues with guys. Mm -hmm. So that's the ongoing, you know, journey at, at, um, of, of healing that, that, that continues. So fast forward to 2010, uh, I get asked, I get asked to, you know, be on, uh, kind of be a Coke can, a special looking Coke can in the back of, uh, in the back of, um, uh, Shia LaBeouf and Transformers three. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. Let's, let's try that. That sounds like a new experience. Let's go. Sounds exciting. Okay. Let's go do that. So you're going to be an extra? Let's go play make, as a special ability extra. Okay. And, um, and Michael Bay, um, the first day of production, you know, he, he walks by, you got to understand, I looked a lot different then. I was okay. 248 pounds. I had a shaved head, this big ass mustache. Um, and I was just like angry as shit and right. um oh it, how's profanity on this you show can, as okay, okay, tim right, miller's cool. been on let's just put it that oh, way, okay so cool, cool, cool. <laughs> all right good um so so i um i i'm sitting there and he walks by and he, and he kind of does a double take and he's like holy shit what the fuck do they call you and i was like hooch and he's like fuck Perfect. He goes, uh, what? he goes, 
do you want to be an actor? And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> and he goes, all right, come with me. And, and he starts, he starts walking. He turns around and goes, wait a minute, can you act? And I was like, you're the fucking director. Aren't you supposed to be the decider of that? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fair enough. All right, cool. All right, come here. And, uh, he goes, he goes, I want you to do, you know, this, that, and the other. And like, there was this scene, I don't know if you've seen the film. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the film. It's heavy yeah. CG. Like, I think they won a SAG or they got nominated for a SAG for CG. Um, yeah, I think so. um, and so, um, so he goes, you know, is that part where the, where the skyscraper is falling down? Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, that, um, I think shockwave is, is right. attacking the building with his pet. And so he goes, what I want you to do is I want you to run down. And it was really cool, like how they did it because they had this whole building. They had this whole like skyscraper floor on a gimbal. And right. what they do is they'd actually tilt this thing up at like, you know, 39 degrees and right. we'd be sprinting down this thing. And like, so we, you know, it's really right. cool. It was a really yeah. cool experience. Um, and so, so I sprint down this thing and then I go out the window and he goes, he goes, when you go, when you stick your head out of the, the window, I want you to look over in this direction over here, camera right. And just go and just go. The building is teetering. And I'm like, okay, building is teetering. Who the fuck says teetering? All right. Let's, <laughs> you know, so I go back up. And I'm sitting there and, and I got to tell you, like up to this point, none of it had clicked. I, that, that Glee club kid I told you about didn't like, that was long gone. That was long right. distant past that had been covered by, you know, years of combat and, you know, focusing on, on war. Right. Right. In that moment, it like all started flooding back in. I was like, wait a minute. At some point in my life, I, I was like, that kid came back and I remember talking to my grandmother and all of it came back at once. And all of a sudden I'm finding it hard to breathe. I'm like, Oh shit. And I'm like getting lightheaded, man. I'm like getting lightheaded. And like, everybody's like looking at me and I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> man. I'm like having a panic attack or something. Right. I think you were excited. <laughs> I was excited. I was excited. Um, and so, so, and he goes, action. And I go sprinting down that thing. Ah! You know, I go leaning out and I go, the building's tiltering. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> and he goes, you can't say fuck. This is a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. And I go back up and he goes, okay, just do it again. And, uh, so I go down and I'm like, now I'm like, I've realized this is the chance and I'm fucking it up. Right. And, right. and I'm like, I'm like, I better get this shit right. <laughs> and so, so I go down, I run down, I lean out and I'm like looking around and he's like, holy shit. That's fucking great. Look over here. You know? And he goes, right. now lean over your shoulder and go, they're shooting at the building. And I'm like, 
they're shooting at the building. And <laughs> and I and I'm looking out and he's like, Holy fuck, you look nervous as shit. Yeah, that's what I want, you know. And then he goes he goes, Cut. Fuck yeah, man. He goes, Come here, do this, come here, do this. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like and I was being pushed by the the guy that got me out there. Uh he was kind of keeping me in his mind too. Sure. Uh and really he was really huge help i'll never i'll never forget that uh his name's harry humphreys he helped me a lot um and and uh and i became a principal in the film you know like got a credit all that stuff you know sag got sag out of it and you know then michael brought me back for transformers 4 which i had a a little bit bigger part in and then uh he put me in ninja turtles the last ship you know uh he he really really helped a lot and say what you want about michael bay but i i I really like that guy he's he's he was real nice to seals i i I can see what kind of people are talking about but um you know he he uh he was really good to us and and he's always been a huge supporter of the military and we're used to people yelling anyway you know so it's like it's 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 like this seems very at home you know this seems great yeah, it's easy. Sure. Just don't piss off the platoon chief. You know? <laughs> so, so, um, so that, that, that was, that was kind of the foray into the film and television thing. And, you know, I got mm-hmm. back from that and I, I, um, you know, from on one of the breaks, you know, I went and talked to my wife. I was like, I think we should, I think we should pursue this. Like when I get out, like, cause that, that, that same guy, Harry Humphreys, uh, was like, you know, I, I don't say this to anybody, he goes, but I feel like you should pursue this. Yeah. You know, you should like should actually give this a go. Like out of all the people that I brought in over the years, cause this guy worked on the rock with Michael. Like he's been right. in there for a minute and, and he's like, he's like, he goes, I don't tell people this, but like, you should try this because, um, I think you got a shot. So I listened to him. You know, and, and, you know, I, it still wasn't fixing things, but, but there was another event that is kind of the tie into everything and why I'm telling this story is, is once I came off of, you know, one of the shoots one day, you got to understand, like I had this huge rocket launcher on my back, right? I had a, a, a grenade launcher, a Milcor grenade launcher, which is kind of like a semi-automatic 40 millimeter grenade launcher, right? Right. And, and so I, I remember we got done. I'm like, we've been running around the streets of Chicago during the summer all day long. Like I'm completely saturated. Like I'm soaked all the way through. Like when I sit down, there's like a puddle running away from us, you know, cause we're just like pounding water and like, it's a, it's an action film. So you're sprinting yeah. all the time, you know? Yeah. And, um, and the Milcor was a real Milcor. It was actually heavier than the actual thing because the blanks are, uh, heavier than the actual round. So, I so I had a heavy, heavy ass weapon, about 30 something pounds. And, right. uh, and he goes, uh, it, it, they were, you weren't, they had like this huge crowd, like, and they were about a, you know, a hundred meters away. And across the street, and and I remember we we're walking back, and 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 I see this kid, man. Uh, it couldn't have been like four, and I'll never forget it. And I tell this in almost every interview I do because it's so profound. Um, I um, 
I see this kid and our eyes lock and it's like he freezes. He's like, and he reaches and I, and I go, you, <laughs> and he's like, <gasps> and he goes, mom. And he's like going, mom, mom, look, look, you know, and, and I start walking towards him and the closer I get to him, the more he's like, you know, like Godzilla is coming out of the water. Right. Right. I pick him up and, and I'm looking at him. I was like, you enjoying the show? And he's, he's just like non-responsive, right? He's catatonic at this point. Right. And I look at his mom and his mom's crying. Right. And, and it's in that moment, like I could tell that they were like homeless or something because they were super okay. dirty and they were like, you know, and I was like, oh, and, um, and she goes, you don't know how much this means to him. Like you have no idea how much this means to him. And, um, I look at the father, he's crying and he's breaking out this wind up camera. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in that moment that I had a, I had a flash to that, that woman from Iraq. Mm-hmm. And, and I had this realization that, wait a minute, I can use creativity to have the same type of an effect on people as I can destructive forces, right? Right. So that sense of purpose, kind of like, like, hey, there's a sense of purpose here as well in film and television. And, you know, it's been ever since then, you know, I talked to my wife and I was like, hey, we should give this a shot because I think that this kind of ties into everything that, that I need to do, that I need to be able to become who I am to become, whatever that is, you know, and I think this is the path to do that. And she's like, okay, let's do it. Uh, I was like, yeah, but if I do it, like we're doing it, like we're going to, that's what we're going to be doing until, you know, we die because uh, this is it. And, and so, um, so we moved up here in 2012. I was medically discharged. Uh, invariably, I was medically discharged in 2012 due to the injuries I sustained in Iraq. I wasn't able to do some of the things that we do as SEALs, you know, diving and stuff like that, because I'd, I'd get dizzy for no reason. I had vestibular damage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'd get dizzy for no freaking reason. And you don't want that to happen when you're jumping out of an airplane at night, you know, running into people and, um, or, or coming up from a dive even, you know, then that's a neurological, that's a neurological symptom. And, and that, that kind of screws everything up as well. Right. So, um, so I, I was like, okay, let's go. And, and I got out in 2012 and we moved right up here and, and I've worked pretty consistently as an actor, you know, ever since we got up here, you know, uh, don't count. 2020 that that wasn't very good but but everything else was you know um was pretty consistent you know um and and subsequently bigger and bigger roles you know uh the most recent being the lincoln lawyer um Mm. that i had a pretty good part on and prior to that the mayans uh had like a five episode arc five out of ten or something like that which that's not bad right yeah so so um, and there's some stuff brewing, 
now that I can't really talk about, but, but it's, um, but it's been, it's been great. And so it was funny because I, I did a tech advisor job. Like, like one of the things that um, I encountered when I first came up here was like, once they find out you're a SEAL, everybody wants you as a tech advisor, right? Like you could do a tech course. advisor job. You could be an advisor. And I was like, wait a minute, man, I got more to offer than just showing your actors how to hold a gun, <laughs> you know, and or how to salute properly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. And, and I don't, and to be honest with you, I don't want to do that. Like right. that's, I, I, I don't want to do that, but, I wound up doing it. You know, I did it on this show uh, called The Brave. And right. and on The Brave, um, just prior to The Brave, I had made a short, like, uh, with Darren, actually. And, and I wrote it. I did this. I had some time. Like, I was in between things. And I did this, uh, this course through USC that was for veterans. Um, called the art of visual storytelling, which was basically like creating three short or two short films in like a six week period, right? Writing mm -hmm. it, casting it, shooting it, editing it, and you know, post do, doing all the post on it. Right. Yeah. And, um, so I did that, uh, no budget, no nothing, you know, calling in favors, you know, doing all this stuff. Hey, I want, I got this story and, well, let me see the script. And everybody's like, holy shit, dude, you can write. I was like, I can? <laughs> okay, cool. And, um, and, and the guy's name's Miles Watkins, the guy okay. that runs the program. And he, um, he was like, he goes, you know, he goes, you know, you're a writer and you're being, and you're, a, um, you're being um, pretty ambitious, is what he said. He goes, he goes. This this script you wrote is pretty ambitious for what this project is. He goes, it involves cops and it has combat sequences and it has and it has like multiple locations. And he goes, this is pretty big. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he goes, you only got three weeks to completely do this thing. I'm like, I understand. He goes. Okay, uh, you know, and you're not allowed to have any synced dialogue. Like, so there's no dialogue in the thing that, that is synced. Okay. Um, and, and he goes, he goes, he goes, okay, go for it. Let's see what you do. And so I made this short. I'll share it with you if you're interested. But yeah, um, yeah. but it, and it, it's kind of a artistic representation of what I've gone through, you know? Okay. And how I found this 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 form of meditation developed by warriors that cultivates creative energies that offset the destructive forces of war, right? Brings balance to the destructive forces of war, um, and so that's what this story and that that's what the story is about. And so, um, I I made that short, and I, I had to tell it because as I'm this tech advisor, um for the brave which is an nbc show that was it was it was getting like it was eight point eight point eight points to to nine points you know on right. on all the reviews and like people watching it and 
diehard loyal fans. Everybody loved it, and they canceled right. it, of course. You know, sure. it's really good TV. Um, and Anne Hesh was actually um, mm -hmm. one of the leads, and uh, with Mike Vogel being uh, number one on the sheet. So, um, I'm there doing the tech advisor thing, and and I start going. Hey, if we, and I started talking to the producing director and I started going, Hey, if the camera's over here and I had this guy over here doing this, that, and the other, you know, what do you think this would look like? Can I show you something? What, what about that? He's like, Holy shit. That's really cool. Okay. You know? And it only took a couple of those. He, he, he turns to me, he goes, you ever thought about directing? And, and I was like, uh actually i just directed my first wrote and directed my first short film and and nice. he's like i'd like to see it and i was like very cool that's the way to do it right you know right. You're like i'd like to see it um okay yeah you gotta get them to ask you <laughs> yeah exactly so so he goes he, he he takes a look at the thing he comes back he goes this is the first thing you've ever directed and i go yeah he goes like holy shit okay, we've got to, we've got to, uh, develop, start developing you as a director, which they started doing. Right. Oh, and, amazing. um, and I was set to be the second unit director for the season finale, mm. right? It would have been DGA, all the cool shit, you know, mm -hmm. and they canceled the show. So, <sighs> you know, true Hollywood story, you know, yep. in typical Hollywood fashion, there I was yep. right there again. You know, because it's been that it, it has been right. that like right there over and over and over and over again. And, um, so, so, um, you fast forward like another year, what I had learned there, because I was so reluctant to do the tech advisor job. Um, I got right. asked to be a tech advisor for a little known franchise called call of duty. <laughs> and, um, and I knew from that experience that, that I say, yes, <laughs> over time, they'll see I'm, I'm worth more than that. Right. right. So, so because I had that experience, I, I kind of, uh, knew to show up for that. I was like, yes, I will be your tech advisor for this. I will help you find a talent for this, you know? Right. And then one thing led to another and, and, um, they asked me to, come in and be the mocap director for um, the last Cold War game that came out for Treyarch. Okay. Basically what I did for that was um, with my team, I conceptualized and um, directed uh, all the executions for the last game. Well, nice. not, not all of them, but a good, a good majority of them. Right. Um, the animators keyed some of them, but um for the most part, the more advanced ones, um, you know, a, a good 80% of those, uh, were me and my team that did it. And so, so from that success, they, they then, um, asked me to start doing, uh, some help out the cinematic team. You know, mm -hmm. so I started to be the mocap director for all the cinematics um word got out and then sledgehammer reached out and wanted me to do it for the 
Vanguard game that was released. Except for mm. now it was the campaign, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Infinity Ward. Uh, with the game that's getting ready to release in October, I was the second unit director. So um, anything uh, action-oriented, stunt-oriented, uh, we I, I was directing uh, that. Nice. So... And and in video games, it's not it's not like film. It's like you have a bunch of directors, and and it's very collaborative. Like everybody's like figuring out the best possible way to get. And it's really nice. I, I like I like the environment, um, and but I wanted more. Like like I, I always want to grow uh, deeper, and I can feel I can feel where I'm supposed to be. You know what I mean? And um, and we've been moving into that trajectory. Uh, really well. Treyarch um, asked me, did I want to sign with them, you know, and become the performance capture director for uh, their next title. Um, and I can't discuss much about that, obviously, but sure. But um, so, so I signed with Treyarch as the performance capture director last November. Okay. And, and things have just been you know, it have been pretty great, you know, and, and they've been, they're an incredible company to work with. And, um, I have, I'm, I'm a part of the animation team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I report directly to the, um, the animation director. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so, uh, it, it's been fantastic. I, I want to talk about more with that, but I can't. Um, okay. another side project that they let me keep doing side project, uh, it's, um, that they let me keep doing is, uh, I am the, uh, mocap director for Diablo four as well. So, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, and remember what I told you, the fantasy yeah. thing. And, and that's like one of my, that, that, yeah, you played a lot of D and D as a kid. I know exactly what that's like. <laughs> it's, 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 uh. That's my that's my IP right there, mm-hmm. dude. That is that in World of Warcraft are like, ugh, you know. Don't right. get me wrong. I love Call of Duty. I played Call of Duty with my son uh, yeah. a lot. Um, we grew up on it together, and you know, and he was a prodigy. Like that kid, man. He could, he was smoking pro gamers. Like right. Like, and and he won the San Diego Comic Con uh, Call of Duty Championship when he was twelve. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a funny story. But, um, but yeah. So, so um, it's been fantastic, and and I've been learning a ton. You know, I've been trying to, uh, I've been trying to, you know, learn more about the process of how video games are made. You know, so that I can be a better asset to the team. Uh, start conceptualizing. I, I just um, started using Maya recently uh, to conceptualize, you know, what I want the shots to be and to give notes, to be able to give mm-hmm. notes uh, is what I endeavor to do and, and learn like using existing assets. So like when the animators come up with something, um, particularly in a, in a cinematic way, I can, I can go in and do some camion camera manipulations, stuff like that to, to give options you know, and, um, uh, is kind of the goal. I don't want to be an animator. 
uh, I don't think that's that's my thing, but I, I do want to be able to uh, conceptualize using using those and kind of lay right. out my shots. You know, when when I'm going to go in and um, and who knows? You know, maybe get to a point one day where where um, you know I'm creating shorts in in Unreal and Maya. You know, who knows? You know, putting right. all that stuff together. So. It's kind of the that's kind of the the journey up to this point. It's a pretty amazing journey, and I actually have a whole lot of follow up questions. I'm going to go back and forth in part of your history because it's absolutely incredible, and I, I find it very moving. I know you know the the idea of you having a very very real life and death experience, and uh, that bond that you had with that woman in Iraq, and then mm -hmm. finding a way to realize that you have the same power to do that within the you know, film and television and entertainment. And, um, and I've been thinking about that lately uh, because uh, I do, a, I have another podcast called Martini Giant where we look at a bunch of movies and we're big, big film buffs, big, oh, big film cool. buffs. I, I and, picked up um, on a little bit of that when we were at yeah, dinner. And uh, I absolutely love it. And, it. and so, but recently we've really gotten into films uh, sort of exploring in more detail uh, some films that are, you know, that took place in the seventies, et cetera, as a, you know, sort of a reaction and, or actions towards the militaries, the stuff that was going on in like films like apocalypse now. And, uh, you know, I was, I'm not even kidding you. I was just watching the last detail. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, but it's a Hal Ashby film with Jack Nicholson and he, ch he plays a, a chief petty officer in it. And I think that's, <laughs> you were a petty officer as well, weren't you? Chief petty officer. Yeah. Yeah, was. so was he. So it's like, oh my God. <laughs> but I'm just, it's sort of this thing where I find that you can look at creativity and still find a, a way, you know, it's not, Hollywood isn't just a distraction, it's a, it's, or, or even video games. It's not just a distraction, it's a way to be able to express yourself and to make people understand a point of view. How how is how has that changed for you? Do you still feel that way? Do you still feel that that's something that that's your that's your voice now? Um, I I feel I feel that even more so. Like every opportunity that I get, I I learn from that experience on how it plugs into the divine architecture of the whole life story. Right? Sure. And there's been times, you know, you know. As you go through as an actor, you know, there's like, it's like you build up the coffers and then the coffers are depleted while you're waiting for the next job. And then you build up the coffers and then until you like really hit it and you get a show that's like running for 10, 10 seasons or something like that. Right. So, um, in those deserts in between, you start questioning. It's like, man, what am I putting my, my family through? What am I, you know, what is this, you know, and over and over again, over and over again, you know, there's been confirmation that I'm in the right spot. You know, whether that be a show hits or, you know, some type of uh, meditative breakthrough, you know, or, you know, you meet a certain person or, you know, you, you just get these little, if you develop the awareness to see the landscape in that manner, you know, where you're, you're actively looking for the signs, you know, mm -hmm. then... Yeah, you'll see them. You'll see them, and you'll know which way to go. Uh, but it takes a whole lot of hard work and and development. And invariably, the stories that I want to tell are 
ones of, you know, the stories that I really truly want to tell as a director is, is stories about the attainment or loss of unconditional love. Because that's what it is. That's what all the iconic films are about. And we can put whatever veneer we want on it, right? Sure. You know, like, like, uh, what aliens, right? Sure. What's that story about? Sure. You might say aliens, but, but, but at the, <laughs> <laughs> but it's about, it's, it's, a, a, it's, a, it's a show. <laughs> yes. What will that mother do for the love of that child? What yep. will she go through? What, what you, you see what I mean? I absolutely and that's, what, that, that's, that's, <laughs> those are the stories. Like for me, for me, like, like Logan is the best Marvel film. Yeah. By far. By far. By far. <laughs> because it's, because it's. I was like, finally, a man's man's love for his daughter that he didn't know he had against the ticking clock of his own life, right? Expiring, you know, and and protecting that. And what will you do to protect that? Look at God of War, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite IPs, right? Mm -hmm. You know, God of War. Guy was, in case you don't know who God of what God of War is, Kratos is is a Spartan that was tricked by the gods into murdering his own family. Right. You know, and, and so he goes on a war path to destroy all the gods, which, you know, you should really check that out if you haven't tried that out, but yeah. Or um, even last of us, look at last of us, last of us right? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the thing I was going to ask you about that because, you know, I know you, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're definitely deep into the video game space and, you know, as, but you're also thinking about acting and everything, but, uh, the writing that's happening in games today is uh, rivaling, if not in some cases, way more creative than I'm seeing in, in, in the, in the film industry. What are your thoughts about like what video games mean and what do they do? So here's the thing, man, like, um, for, I, I've been a gamer since they've been making games. My first right. video game was tennis for two, which was pong. Right, right. It had like wood paneling on it. You remember this thing? Yeah. Like it yeah, had wood paneling that. on it, and it had the yeah, you know, um, the two big knobs, and and so, so that was my first game. And then like every system from then on out, like that was a priority. Like like Atari Twenty Six Hundred was the next one, right? And yeah. then you know, uh, ColecoVision, Intellivision, mm-hmm. uh, Commodore Sixty Four. The, yep. the the one twenty eight the Turbo Graphics sixteen. Now I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. You know. Now I'm getting out of it. I had a three do. You know. I I do you I remember tried the a, Sierra games back in the Sierra day. Sierra games. Something like King's Quest and Space Quest. Oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah, my favorite those... one. My favorite. My favorite one. Uh, when I was growing up, it was an arcade game, Dragon's Lair. Oh yeah, course. yeah, yeah. Of course, Dragon's Lair. Yeah. That was a laser disc game. That was, was a laser disc special. game. Then Space yeah. Ace and you know mm-hmm. Cliffhanger, um, yep. you know all of those. I um, but but like I was huge in the games the whole time. I was completely fascinated by the art. I mean the art, the 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 sound, the the angles, the lights, the and it's all immersive. Like you're a part of it. You're a part mm-hmm. of it, and and. 
And, you know, whether or not you get to continue that story is directly proportional to how quick you can get out of the bad stuff you're standing in. Right. Right. So, so, um, for me being able to tell stories within that space, I feel is the most powerful form of storytelling that we can, we can leverage. I don't feel like we always do that. Um, you know, different games are for different things. Like sometimes you want to just kind of shoot people in the face, you know, you don't, you don't need a story. You just want to shoot people in the face, you know? Uh, but why can't you shoot people in the face and like have some really kick-ass story to go with it? You know, and, and one of the exciting things for me is I want to be able to explore, um, and one of I'm I'm really excited about a lot of the things that we're doing, but um, one of the things that I really want to do is I want to explore a story deeper within uh, some IPs that that are out there, uh, without hitting the nail on the head for obvious reasons. But mm-hmm. but I, I man I I have I have this 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 kind of vision of having a game that. There, there's a couple of different games that I'd like to explore, but but ones that ones that can actually elicit a certain um, hormonal response, you know, okay. using sound, light, you know, all these types of things within the game to uh, uh, you know address very real issues, you know, that we have, you know, in ameliorating combat-related stress. For example, uh, or, I'm glad you said that because I was going to say there's interesting work. Uh, I mean, I, I used to work, uh, I used to talk to a guy named uh, Paul Bevick who was at ICT and he's part of a bunch of people at ICT and they're experimenting with a lot of game stuff that's helping people with PST, uh, PTSD. So see, that's um, really interesting stuff. I'd love to talk to you more about that because, yeah. um, you know, incorporating that stuff into a mainstream game to where everybody gets the benefit. Yeah, I see what you're and, saying. And it's not just, um, you know, we can we can elicit certain uh, responses by, you know, how we weave that together, how we weave all those elements together, and and those people that really have the immersive systems are, you know, obviously good to take much uh, deeper advantage of it, but but. But just having it out there, um, sure, and and incorporating it into you know this storytelling process. Because if we if we can merge the light, the sound, and the storytelling, you know, to elicit emotional, sensorial responses, you know, and and I, I think that we can really use the storytelling leverage to take people down into this space. You know, which may be where their home is anyway, you know, and then start kind of like bringing them up and out of it. I'm going to share something with you. A a good game that did some of that, that kind of gave me this idea is um, Ghost of Tsushima. Okay. You play this game? Mm -mm. Mm. Mm. You have to explain it to me. (laughs) It's it's basically uh, Assassin's Creed, but you're a samurai. Okay. And it's done really, 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 really well. well. I mean, they've got like the Mongolian throat singers out there going, <laughs> you know, right. they're using those sounds in it. They're using, um, they're using like meditation. Like you go into these uh, hot pools in Japan and 
you know, the premise of the story is, you, you know, you're, you're a samurai and, you know, you're avenging, you know, the Mongolians are invading your land and, you know, you're the, you're the guy that's compromising, you're compromising your traditions to fight, to fight the Mongolians unconditionally, you know, mm-hmm. um, asymmetrically. And it's just, and like the landscapes and the lighting's just like gorgeous and, you know, and it's based off of the old uh, samurai films, um, mm-hmm. and and like they even have a mode where you can switch it into that like black and white samurai type mode. Wow. So yeah, dude, it's super. You'd love it. You'd yeah. love it. Um, and it's completely and and it hit at a time where you know um, where I was going through some really uh, hard stuff when, uh, because that very son that I, I took emergency custody of passed away in 2020. Um, Oh God, I'm so yeah. sorry. So, um, you know, and you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter what your, your religious beliefs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the spirituality that binds us. Right. And so, so for me, um, it wasn't until like, 2020 that um you know i i these amazing events started happening professionally you know when my son passed away and the the process of the process of you know coming to terms with that grief and has developed a strength for me that, that, and an understanding, uh, that has kind of refined, you know, what it is I endeavor to do in this film and television thing. And, and that comes full circle, right? It's like where I was questioning it at one point, it, it comes full circle where, where, you know, my driving force, uh, my driving force, in this medium is to incorporate all the aforementioned, you know, lighting and, you know, sound and all these types of things to tell a story of unconditional love, you know, mm-hmm. and it can be heart wrenching at times, but, but we got to take, we have to show my biggest thing is that a lot of times I feel like we pull our, we pull our punches when we're showing the power of the darkness and, and we can't do that. We can't. Because we're doing a disservice to the light, you see. Right. You know, you can't you can't have you can't have a painting without contrast. You can't right. have um, a rich painting without darks. You know. Yep. And so, um, and we need to have it. We need to have it dark as fuck so we can show the power of the light. Right. You know, and 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 I think that. Um, you know, those are the, those are the stories that I, I really want to tell are, are ones that without hitting the nail on the head, but that kind of take people, that take people through this journey of, of, of failure, of loss, of betrayal, of death, of of horror how we process it right as we process our own problems if we if we can experience it absolutely and Mm -hmm. and then and then guide them 
you know, through this storytelling process, interactive yeah. storytelling process on how to get to the light, um, mm. to the light side of it and, and to experience, um, that, that through line of love, because that's the human experience. That's, my, that's what my, we all want. My daughter, when she went the first movie she has ever saw in theaters, right? So before she would only see TV shows at home. And so she could pause, et cetera. So the first experience where she has to watch the whole thing through without any breaks. Right? And we went to go see Toy Story 3. Mm. And, you know, I'm sure you've seen the movie, but towards mm. the end of the movie, they're all being lowered into a trash pile about to be thrown into an incinerator. Yeah. And she just about had it. She's like, I want to leave. She wants to leave the movie theater. And I felt horrible because I made, I forced her to sit down and watch this thing that was torturing her to so that she could see it resolve itself. <laughs> yeah. She was already setting the tracks. Like, right. no, so no, no, like, no, 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 no. Like, you, you're gonna see. And then she, she obviously, you know, appreciated the fact that she got to see it, the, the ending that she needed to see. But it was something that was very like, oh, God, you know. But it is, I want to talk about the medium of, of games again a little bit because, you know, I was, you know, you're talking about this bit of a thing and I've always loved games and I've always loved games that have good story, engage you or exciting. But when I played Bioshock Infinite, have you played Bioshock Infinite? <laughs> I have not played it all the way through. I came into it late and okay. I'm a, yeah, it's all right. a hard time. It's okay. I played the whole thing through, and as I was getting towards the end, it just had this way of resolving the story that brought me to tears. Yes. <laughs> I was, and I was like, I've never cried from a video game before. And I was completely, because I've been playing it for 40, 50, 60 hours, whatever it is, right? And that's not even that long for a video game. But, you are really into it and then it has it guides you through this process and it was an emotional release to see that and i think that 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 is really something very special obviously absolutely and that's just good storytelling you yeah. know that's 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 the at, at the it all begins with a script right yeah. you know yep. it all begins with a good script but the the reason i think video games have the one up on traditional uh, storytelling in film or television is because we get to sculpt these characters. We get to change the way they look. We get to, you know, go through them. You, you, we get to go through and upgrade them to, to a, a achieve new challenges. We get to, mm -hmm. you know, we become, we become involved with these characters in a way that is much more, um, encompassing than you know just watching somebody experience something on the screen you it's know? a first and person experience yeah it's a first person experience so mm -hmm. so in most cases right? right um so so it's it's it to me like that can be leveraged like and and i come from the film and television side of things so so um, I'm trying to, actually, this is one of the things we're working through now is I'm trying to, um, incorporate some of those principles in our, our process at Treyarch, you know, and, okay. and they're very supportive, you know, so, so, um, and what I mean by that is the traditional storytelling process, but then, you know, how that, how that is additive 
to the video game storytelling process and, and production pipeline, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that we're working on as well, uh, that I can talk about more after the game releases, but right. we'll have to come back in, uh, 2024. <laughs> okay. uh, so, um, but, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's, it's that level of depth that I think that, um, and of course, engaging gameplay, right? You want to be having fun in between the story port- sure. portions. Right. Uh, and it can be really challenging too, you know, because especially in an open world format, because, mm-hmm. um, because in an open world format, you know, you have these cutscenes that you, and you have to be really smart about how you do the cutscenes, right? Um, it has to dovetail for me, like you can't, it, it, it's, it's clunky when there's a cutscene and then there's gameplay and then there's cutscene and there's gameplay. For me, I feel like the gameplay has to drive the narrative in some regard, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about like leveling up. It, it's gotta, it's gotta drive the narrative. There has to be a sense of urgency. Like, and that's what I, should I? ever become the creative director of a video game. Uh, one of the <laughs> biggest things I will be pushing for the, mm-hmm. for is, is to have a narrative driven gameplay style that is encompassing to where, to where it, it develops a sense of urgency in the player that they, they inherently feel that aspect of the story in what they're doing in gameplay wise towards getting to, you know, X, Y, or Z to that next, you know, cutscene or that, sure. that drives that story forward. And everything within that game is, is bent on, you know, kind of exerting that kind of pressure so that they feel what pressure that character is actually in. You see? How do you, how do you do that? Because in games, obviously, you know, you, you I mean, you, you've directed mocap, right? So that's a different way of directing. <laughs> It is. directing behind a camera, especially in games, right? Because so, so how, how has it been sort of thinking about the directing uh, a mo- mocap director and how that, how that affects the way that you can tell stories or the way that you even tell your actors to act or, or how does it affect all of that stuff? So there are some, uh, there's, there's a big technical aspect that impacts, you know, that, that definitely impacts the performance side of things, right? Sure. Uh, traditional film, you, you have some technical aspects like you want to look to this side of the frame, uh, the map box. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to, you know, the lighting's got to be like this and you've got to hit your mark. So mm-hmm. because of our, you know, depth of Focus. field, and all these types <laughs> of, all these types of things. Right. Sure. So, so those are the tech kind of technical aspects of that. Um, but it's much more so in video games because of, you know, I mean, it's myriad in nature where you have, you know, the rig can only do this or the AI has to pick up a certain, you know, when we're picking the gameplay back up, the AI's got to be in this type of position. And, you know, how does that, how is that actor motivated to get into that position, that ending position so that it, you know, kind of translates, right? So right. I'm very much in my, um, my training. Everything's training, right? So sure. uh, OJT, you know. Um, but as far as me as a, uh, what I do as a performance capture director is 
for me, it's all about the performance, right? Mm -hmm. So it becomes more about working with the performers. And, and I think this may have just come from combat or, or you know, being a seal or something, but like seeing things that are out of place that just don't jive, right? Okay. That aren't, aren't, aren't right. Like if somebody moves a certain way, you know, and I'm like, mm, I don't like the shape of that. You know, let's, let's change the, let's change the, 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 the way that body shape is let's move it like this and then right. and, uh, and then i work on you know performance or um in the case of you know like diablo those oh they were just fantastic to work with and mm. and they were very inclusive on like story everything they wanted to hear um all of it you know and they were so humble and and just like Yes, like, and and when they heard, when they saw me geeking out about it, like they liked that, you know, they're like, oh, right. he's bringing my my geek back out about this IP, you know, and it's like, right. I think it it really fed on each other well. But for example, in that type of thing, it's like maybe holding an object a certain way, the way they're they're holding an object, you know, kind of because this is all motion capture, right? Like, mm -hmm. when are we putting this object away, vice? You know in the middle of dialogue sticking it away or maybe we hold on to this thing after till after this person dies and and then you give another look back to the object and then put it away you know then the whole scene becomes about that object right you know right. now this object has importance you know and and you've just empowered that object which drives the narrative you know now right. i've got to bring this object to this person now i've put importance on this object that that the player can feel and that's right. very critical. Like, like that's to me, that's very critical. And, and yeah. like, because now they understand the importance of getting that there. Had I just stuck this thing in my pocket and continued the dialogue. And now you've got to go deliver this object. It doesn't have the same, doesn't have the same punch. Right. Yeah. So, um, that's, that's kind of an example, you know, and yeah. then, and then having, uh, the, the, the technical aspects of, of just moving from gameplay gameplay mechanic to gameplay mechanic and how all of those different things tie in to the IP. You know, now you have to think of the whole IP as a whole. What's the gameplay style? What's the what's the uh, you know how do the people move in this world? How do they you know? And it becomes it's very much like theater in a lot of ways. Um, directing uh, a theater type of uh performance um big long takes you know all these types of things uh it's like a merge between the two. i had a i had a i had a friend of mine who's also an actor and he said you know he was doing a bunch of tv and stuff but he also did a bunch of theater and he says when he he was an actor on the, one of the grand theft auto games and he goes oh this feels like theater way more than i thought it was gonna feel like yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. Uh, i absolutely know what you mean yeah. Uh, listen, I just want to make sure we're conscious of the time. Hopefully you're all okay. I can go a little long, which is absolutely no problem. But I do want to make sure we have a chance to talk about uh, your Vital Warriors project. Can you tell people a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So Vital, and I'm good on time. I got about another okay. half hour. Okay. Um, so Vital Warrior is a, 501, a registered 501c3 that, that I use. Uh, to teach these meditative principles 
um, not just the meditative principles, but uh, this lineage of the teachings of what's called Kundalini Yoga. And it's developed by thousands of years of warrior lineage. And the manner in which my teacher imparts it is, has been revelatory for me personally. Okay. You know, it's led to uh, the realization of the power of to, to cultivate creativity, you know, uh, to find my creative source and to grow and nurture that creative source to where, to where you have a realization that of where that creative source resides, you know, and once we have, we have the kind of view of that landscape, they call it the yoga of awareness, right? Okay. So, so it's, it's, you develop the awareness of the landscape and then you can see kind of the, the subconscious and you get kind of an intuitive feel of how to navigate that and identify where obstacles are, where resistances are and how to ameliorate those resistances and navigate obstacles or remove programming, you know, um, a good analogy is this is like the Koreans comb the beach so they can tell when somebody's come up onto the beach, right? If mm -hmm. somebody's infiltrated their beach, well kind of think of it like that. Like you, you, you clear the kind of subconscious so that when uh, an errant thought form or somebody else's opinion kind of permeates the system, then you know that it's not yours. Right. Right. And, and you can do something about it. So, so if, if, if I say something, if I put out something, if I put out a, 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 a sound, right, this sound mm -hmm. you're hearing right now is getting in you. It right. is a part of you, right? When you hear it, it's a part of you. It goes in the ear. It, it vibrates the tympanic membrane, right? Mm -hmm. It hits the three bones, which vibrate the cochlea and move the fluid in the cochlea. And that is in, then interpolated into an electronic signal in the brain that means something to you, that elicits right. a certain response in you, right? Yep. So we want to develop the ability to clean that shit out. You know, and, and that's what I teach is, is how to, you know, I teach as accurately as I possibly can in the manner in which my teacher has shown me and, and, and it has served very well. So currently I teach these classes, uh, every week to a number of, uh, special operations forces. Um, we have a pro we have a program and, and it's open for all veterans and first responders. Um, and I teach them at the Rama Yoga Institute in Venice at 11 o'clock on Sundays, Venice, mm -hmm. California, or not Venice, California. That's where they used to be. Santa Monica, California. Now okay. <clears throat> they've upgraded. They, um, they got a bigger place. Okay. Um, and, and I, I got to tell you that, that the people that engage in it, the whole nonprofit was designed to replicate my experience how to transmute my life's experiences that I had once had the perception of being negative, very bad into an incorporation of, of who I am. And in that process, developing a strength and an understanding an experiential understanding that all of those events were absolutely critical. All of them 
all of them were absolutely critical in developing me in a way that I can I can rise to the destiny. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's because of my military. It's because of my military experience that I wound up in Transformers. Right. Had I been working as an actor for 22 years, maybe if I was super lucky, I would have got a role like that in a film like that. Right. But because of my military experience, that I wound up there. Right. And then because of all my combat experience, I wound up as the performance capture director of <laughs> Call of Duty. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you see? So, yeah, so, so trying to help other people not, not go, I want to replicate that path and this is how I replicate that path, but, but to have the experiences that forge their own path with a like type of you know outcome invariably it always winds up being the discovery of the creative source using that creative talent in service towards awakening the creative source and talent within others yeah and for me it's film and television and video games you know film television video games absolutely you know, somebody else absolutely. might be knife making yeah. you know sure Right. I mean, I know when, you know, I certainly have not had the experiences that, that you've had, but I know that, you know, when the pandemic happened, I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Mm. And to me, it became fly fishing. That was my, that was my thing. Right. So that's a meditation. Yeah. It's a hundred percent a meditation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I just go to the park and cast and that's all I'm doing. And that's a meditative process. Very much yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've tried um, a lot of different things and this was the most, you know, powerful for me it's not the yeah. only thing we do but it is the foundation of it you know yep. um that's a whole other long story how i wound up finding these teachings but invariably i did and i found my teacher and by finding my teacher that 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 really changed everything for me that's amazing and, and completely transformed me like if you saw who i was and who i am now it's like two different people. Right. It, it truly looks like two different people. Even people that knew me um, back from the military, they're like, holy shit, you're like, like a different person. Mm. You know, and that's from these meditations. That's wonderful. You know, much higher form. And there's always new and higher levels of it that, that, that we go through. And, you know, it, it, that's why I love it so much. You know, it's like a martial art for the brain. Right. You know? And there's other things that we do as well. You know, I, I endeavor to uh, have everything all under one roof, and right. and it's going to be like a, cre- a school of creativity. You know, when I get it done, you know, it's like kind of built. Think of like the last samurai type of lifestyle. You know, and it incorporates you know jujitsu, the meditations, you know, art, creativity, music, like you know, you know, farming you know, animals, like yep. all of it, you know, and, uh, that's kind of the, that's kind of the vision of it, you know? So I think it's amazing. And I think I love the, you know, I love how you've taken what has been so important in your life and found ways of expressing it, uh, through the art that you do and through the, through the, the tools you do. I think this is a important thing, uh, especially since you're trying to 
help those in the military that need the help right now. I don't think yeah. that people in the military are being treated as well as they should be treated, especially when they come home. And I'm, I've sub, I know I donate to a lot of those causes myself. Oh, <laughs> good. Thank you. Uh, because I think it's important. Um, and I have a friend of mine, uh, Brandon Davis, who is in special forces, uh, who is also a visual effects artist at the same time, for God's sakes, I don't know how he did both wow. at the same time. <laughs> he would just suddenly have to leave. And he says, uh, where did you go? I was like, I can't tell you, but my Korean's way better than it used to be. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, he, he's, uh, but I know, you know, and so I know that's very important. And I think it's, I, I, you know, when I, when I met you at, at Darren's thing and Darren's got a fantastic group of friends that he's with. And I saw the things you're doing. It's like, I have to have this guy's story. <laughs> I want to wow. hear it. I want to hear the whole story. So yeah. it's really cool. And I love how you're using technology. You're not afraid of technology. You love video games and, and you just, but you're extremely creative and you have, you have purpose, which is a big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I look forward to, you know, being able to kind of spread those wings a little more, you know, that I think that's my biggest challenge, you know, is, is understand when we understand first it was understanding what the path is you know and right. then once you understand the path it's like having the patience to continue to understand that things need to unfold in a certain way you know and right. and just being present and that's what you know these meditations and everything really helped me with you know um and 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 being present in what i'm doing and you know and and really enjoying truly like truly enjoying the, you hear it all the time, you know, and people say it like a cliche. I always, at least it always came off to me that way. Like sure. enjoy the process. You know, it's like, man, you're probably eating really well. And you know, like it's easy for you to enjoy the process. You're, you're like feeding your family, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, so that's a very real thing. Right. So, uh, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it, it, it wasn't, to be honest with you, it wasn't until after my son that I, my son passed away that I, and, and incorporating all of that and continuing to incorporate that, that I started to understand what that meant. I know that seems counterintuitive, but, but it, it's like that, that type of forced understanding, like, like you, for me, the way I got through that is just by not trying to hold things in my mind, but to completely learn how to just open my heart and let it truly feel, not try to protect my heart, just, just like completely unplug, which I did, went to the mountains of San Diego and, um, and just like for a week, just like sat in it, just like in the wilderness and just, you know, just bore myself to it. And, you know, that, that, continues to be rewarding and and is a uh, that's going to be a limit it's a limitless font it's a limitless mm -hmm. font uh, it's such an incredible blessing to 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 be able to feel to be able to feel that fully is a is a touchstone of everything i do Right. You no, know, it's, it's the core of like, it's, it's the core of my heart because, because it's love. Like grief is an aspect of love. It's the shadow of love. 
Yeah. And, and that's, and if I, and I found that if I come from that, it doesn't matter what I'm going through because I know from experience, I know that, oh, hold on. Oh. A pop-up happened. Oh, okay. Um, I know that from experience that I'll be, that whatever it is I'm going through is shaping my future. Right. And it's shaping the future of my family. So in a way I, I can develop a gratuity for it, even while being in it. Now that now I understand what that sounds like, and it takes a hell of a lot of work to do it. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. It's, it's, it's the hardest thing. This has come from my life. This is by far the hardest thing that I've ever done is this spiritual path and creating from this spiritual path and, and being able to understand that negative and positive are both power sources that we can draw from as long as we reside in the throne of neutrality. Wow. Well, it's, it's been an amazing journey and I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, I love for you to tell more stories about unconditional love, both, uh, receiving and losing it, which I'm sure is, uh, is a similar experience, but thank you so much. Michael. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast.